Gossip Nista here, your one and only source into the real lives of New Yorkers and what it's like to live in New York City. So is it all glitz and glamour? Where do you start? What should you know? And who am I? I'll tell you everything you need to know and you'll thank me for it. XOXO, Gossip Nista. Hello, and welcome to the Gossip Mista podcast. I'm your host, Mariana Monks, and on today's episode, I'm bringing you an abundance of topics, but all of which intersect with real estate in New York City. Now, abundance is the key word today, as my guest today, Vicki Barron, chooses to have a mind frame and a state of mind, which is abundance. And it's no wonder that she is uber successful and a leading power broker in New York City with Compass. She also is going to share how she believes that not all architecture and real estate in New York City is created equal. She's going to elaborate on that. So please stay tuned. This is a very insightful episode. Vicky is a wealth of knowledge with so much wisdom to share in real estate and just for New York lovers. So without further ado, Here's my interview and Vicki Barron's New York story. Hey, Vicki, I am really excited to have you on the podcast today because I know you are a trusted advisor here in the real estate industry in New York City. You are a mega player out there when it comes to real estate in New York. So welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking and thank you for inviting me to join you. And I'm happy to and bring some color and, and life to whatever direction we're going to go. It's going to be insightful because you're, like I said, an expert in real estate here in, in New York City. So I have a lot of questions regarding that. But where I like to start it off first is getting to know more about you, Vicki, and your New York story and essentially what brought you to New York or if you're a native New Yorker. Like that's the first question I like to know. Are, are you from here? Well, that's actually an interesting question because the truth of the matter is I, I I was born here, but I was raised in Southern California, and I moved back to New York 22 years ago, and my mother thought I lost my mind. She said, what are you doing? We took you out of the cold, and what are you doing going back to the, the cold on the East Coast? But as soon as my feet hit the ground in New York, the energy alone, it, it had me at at hello. I mean, New York is just, I used to visit here for business. I used to work in the healthcare industry for many years and I would come here for medical conferences and the energy and the diversity and the creativity stole my heart. And it felt like home on those visits. And I was married at the time. And my ex-husband came home and said, we have two choices. We can relocate to Denver, Colorado, or New York City? And I said, I don't understand the question. Yeah, that's a no-brainer. Yeah. It was New York City. Sorry, Denver, but New York was not even a, a, a thought that that would not be my first choice. So when I came to New York, I was not selling real estate in California. I was in healthcare, and we thought we were in New York for two years. And I thought to myself, I was doing my work from my apartment 
And I lived across the street from the Met at the time. And I thought, I'm never gonna get outside my apartment. I'm never gonna see New York City if I continue on this path. So I decided it was a new chapter in my life. And everyone in California, I had purchased real estate at a young age and I fixed up places and would sell them. I was somewhat of a, a flipper, you would say, before I knew flipping was a thing. And But I was not licensed. It wasn't my job. It was just a passion that I had. And people used to say, you should be licensed. You should sell real estate. So I thought to myself, what if I get licensed in New York and then I can run around and see all these amazing buildings and get into see the architecture and the history and what better way to get to know New York than if I'm a licensed agent. Wow. So I got my license and it was the best, best choice I ever had. Now, keep in mind, I had zero connections in New York. I did not have friends. I didn't have relatives. I really didn't know anybody. And I went on my first interview and it was a large firm and the manager was not so impressed with my healthcare background. So she said, we don't have a desk, call me in a year. And I thought to myself, wow, that's going to be difficult to try to get a desk. That's, I didn't realize it was going to be so hard. So I said to the manager, I said, well, I don't mind waiting if it's the right fit. So if you'd be kind enough, if I could have 10 minutes of your time just to sit in front of you and ask you some questions, because if we're aligned and it, it makes sense, I don't mind waiting for that desk to open up. And if it's not the right fit, then I'll accept a position elsewhere. Does that make sense to you? She said, yes. So she welcomed me in on that Thursday. And in that interview, I must've asked her 50 questions. And I think she was surprised, but I was really truly not trying to be obnoxious. I was trying right. to understand mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the lay of the land. 100%. So she gave me the opportunity and hired me on the spot. And in that interview, I was so honest. I said to her, I felt bad, like I tricked her or something because she said she didn't have a desk. And then all of a sudden she was offering me a desk. Yeah. So I said, I should probably disclose to you. I don't know anyone in New York. No one's an aunt is not going to call me to sell her seven room on Park Avenue. She said, well, how are you going to get business? I said, well, that's a very good question. And I honestly wish I had a good answer for you, but I don't. But what I do know is I understand business and people and I will figure something out. So yeah. fortunately, she gave me the opportunity. And what I ended up figuring out, the only thing I knew was for sale by owners. I converted them and I did like 20 transactions my first nine months. Wow. And then I was nominated and won rookie of the year. So, so that's kind of how I got started in New York. Oh my gosh, goosebumps all around there, Vicky. You, you just you just laid it all out. You let us know where you came from, you know, where you've been and how you started in real estate. I really enjoyed listening to that. Obviously, you're a people person, a relationship builder. You sold her on the spot. You converted her from saying no desk to here's a desk. And you know, I love that your initial your initial want with real estate was to be out in the energy of New York and, you know, really be on these streets, uh, feel the architecture, see the inside of these places. And, and here you are today. Like, I love it. And, and so let me peel back a little bit of layers there, Vicki. Okay. So you, were, you were born here in New York city or New York state? No, I was actually born in, in Baltimore, Maryland. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then we had relatives in New York. So we'd come to New York 
Mm -hmm. So it was on the East Coast, but it wasn't New York City. And then you went to LA, came back, and then you got into real estate. You said you were on the Upper East Side working from home, which we've all felt that during the pandemic these last two years, right? Um, Right. That's been life for us. Okay, so where did you land upon? Was it the Upper East Side? And where have you been neighborhood-wise? Like in New York City? So that's, and this is very interesting because never say never, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. When I landed here, mm-hmm. I didn't know the difference of downtown, uptown, west side, east side. I had no idea. Yep. And um, it was a very quick move. So we just landed on 80th and Madison across from the Met on the Upper East Side. And then from there, I moved to Carnegie Hill. And at the time, I used to come to downtown around 14th street. And I thought I would never live down here. It was coming from California. It felt too congested. It felt, it was just, I didn't understand the location at all. Right. And then of course, now I am living on 17th and 7th or 18th and 7th Avenue. My gosh. So Uh never say never because exactly where I said I would never live is exactly where I'm living. And um, I've lived in the West Village. I've lived in Flatiron and I'm currently in Chelsea. And um, the truth is each pocket in New York has its own story to be told. And I kind of love it all, Mm -hmm. but I'm a little more um, building specific. Mm. Real estate in New York is not equal. That I can I can tell you. The architecture is not equal. Mm. Each building has its own story and its own history, and and they're also very different. Mm. And I kind of gravitate towards the historical part versus downtown, right? Yes, historical parts are downtown. I I love um, right now. If you the choice is to me, downtown is more compatible Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. for me, but, you know, I still sell a lot on the Upper East Side and the Upper West Side and, and it's lovely as well. And, and different times, you know, they have just like bell bottoms and straight legs. They come in style, out of styles. You know, there are moments where people don't want to go in a certain neighborhood and another neighborhood becomes the chosen location. And then five, 10 years later, it's swapped. So never say never. That's a great way of putting it in New York City, right? Because you have to explore, like you noted, all the pockets and they're all different. And once you figure out, again, the lay of the land, you'll start really just knowing where you belong at that point. So lovely. I want to know, Vicky, overall, like what has your experience been in New York City? Like in the 22 years that you've been here, you know, how, how, how has New York been for you? Like, what do you like? What do you dislike? New York is it, it really, truly is, I kind of feel, I feel at home when, and I used to feel at home when I would land off the plane to do business here for a week at a time. It, it, the energy and the creativity, the people, it's the people that fascinate me. And I am very aware of my surroundings and aesthetic and and it, you can walk in New York for, you don't need a gym. You can walk in the streets and, and you're getting exercise and your, your soul is being fed with just taking in all the, all that New York has to offer. I mean, it, you know, the old saying, if you're born in New York, you've got a problem there. There's just so much happening at all times. And the energy to me is 
the oxygen. And I can't think of another location that has that to offer at the level that we have in New York City. I agree with you. I agree there. On more specific levels, like, is there particular things you like and maybe dislike about New York? I mean, okay, what I do, I'll tell you what I like. I love, I, I like food. So I like fashion and food. So mm -hmm. fabrics, textile, food. What I don't like is the, I, I chuckle because I do a lot of lectures and I stand in front of a lot of people talking for hours at a time, but I am an introvert. So I have to be, I need quiet time and be alone to recharge. Yep. And in New York, when you go to a restaurant, I mean, the food is, it doesn't get better than New York City, but the tables are so small and they're, they can be very loud. So it's, if there was something I didn't like is the, you know, I go to, I travel other places and I think, gosh, the real estate they give you on the table alone to have your table set with your silverware and your plates, they actually fit on the table. Yeah. In New York, you know, um, square footage is a premium and, and, and that's a challenge. Um, and also it can be very noisy in a lot of these amazing restaurants that I go to. I know what you're talking about. I feel like sometimes I look up restaurants and then I show up to them and I'm like, whoa, wait, wait where is the restaurant, right? Like there's not much space to it. There's not many tables and you're like, wait. Yeah. So I, you you don't really know until you know, until you're here. So but you know what? One of my favorite restaurants in New York, well, I love uh, Basta Pasta is my go-to, which is on 17th Street and it's been around for, I think, 25 years. But they opened up a small place on 7th Avenue that is called, I think it's Barbie. Well, you have to stand up. So the, it's a counter that literally is maybe 10 inches deep. Okay. And there's no chairs. So you okay. stand up the whole entire time and you, and I go there frequently because I, I love the food and the owner and, and the waiters and it, it's so it's kind of interesting that here I'm complaining that about the square footage and the size of the tables. I choose to go to a place where they don't even offer chairs. So unique and different experience <laughs> in that aspect. Wait, so what was the name of it? And is it pasta related? You said, Basta pasta. So Basta pasta is the restaurant. Mm -hmm. And then they opened up uh, a second restaurant on 7th Avenue that's called Barbie. Bar and then the letter B. Perfect. And um, they're both fantastic. Amazing. In fact, when when I am done with you here, I'm heading straight to Basta Basta. Oh, I love it. Good. Mm -hmm. Okay. And I've noted it to check it out at some point. And so um, I, I'm curious, like you've been here 22 years. Do you feel like, like a New Yorker, Vicki? Like, you know, like. 100%. Okay. Yeah. And, and, and if I, listen, if we lived other lives, I'm, I'm confident that I lived another life in New York City. That's how okay. comfortable I felt the moment my feet hit the ground. Oh my gosh, you're giving me too many goosebumps here, Vicky. All right. And then what do you think defines a New Yorker? What do you think? I mean, I know we've talked energy, we've talked to people, the food, the but like, you know, what do you think being a New Yorker, like the definition of it? Means? You know what? Oh, I have a lot of friends, obviously, from LA and other parts of, of the world that come and visit here. Mm -hmm. And, and I chuckle because it's, it's very fast paced, New York, you know, you, you, you're on a mission, you've got people, places, papers assigned, you're going, 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 and people are going in different directions. And some people believe that 
New Yorkers are cold and um, ruthless and it's a polar opposite. New Yorkers are real. There's substance. They will help you. If you look lost, they'll stop and give you directions. They're just not, we're, we're not really, and I definitely am not on, I'm not big on small talk. I don't like small talk. Like I don't, I'm not the person that you want to invite to a gathering. I'm just going to have small talk for two hours. To me, I'd rather go organize my sock drawer than to do that. So New Yorkers are just, there's substance and, and they're on a mission and they're creative and they're caring. And I, I think if I ever had to leave New York, I would miss the people as much as I'd miss the architecture. We're going to dive into the architecture as we move along. But yeah, that, that is well said. Mic drop there, Vicki. And so there is a lot of people who have that dream of moving to New York City, right? Um, it's been on pause for the last two years, but people are coming back. As you know, this year in the real estate market, people are, are um, you know, what advice would you have to someone who's just looking to make their dream of moving to New York City, like come true? You know, the old saying, if you can make it, here you can make it anywhere. What what is that saying? Make yep, it. That's it. If you can make it here, you can make it, here, you can make make it, it anywhere. anywhere. Mm-hmm. It, you know, I I believe in abundance. I really truly do. Like I just think there are not enough hours in the day. And I look around. So when I find colleagues, agents, new people entering the business, and they feel defeated before they start, and they they and I'm confused by it because I'm like, they're, they're everywhere. There's, you know, if I lose a listing, which I do lose listings. And when I lose a listing, I'm happy for the person that got the listing, but I'm also confident there are five more around the corner that I'm going to get. So I just believe in abundance and New York city is all about abundance. I mean, there's something for everyone and there's opportunity everywhere. With that said, you need to come prepared. You need to come with an appetite. You need to come with a vision. You need to come with a dream and you need to come with energy and hard work. So, you know, the people that make it in New York are the people that embrace the challenges because even buying an apartment in New York, navigating through that process is overwhelming for a lot of people. And that's what I enjoy because when I am with someone looking to purchase real estate or sell real estate, it's a stress factor in their life. So the last thing they need is a real estate agent that is not balanced, confident, and pulled together. They need an advisor that is calm, that can help them navigate through the challenging aspects to get to that finish line. And anyone coming to New York to succeed, whether you're in real estate or you're in any other industry, you need to just embrace the diversity, the energy, all the turns that you're going to run into and and understand that you can make it if you just are focused and have the energy. And you put the work into it and have an abundance mind frame. I love Um, an abundance mindset. Like it's abundance. It's like, it's, you know, it it just truly is. Like, I I honestly believe that. And if I didn't believe that, I'd probably become overwhelmed. But I, I do believe that.
Gossip Nista here. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. I wanted to hop in here to ask that if you haven't yet, if you could please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you listen. This will help me reach more people and spread the word about New York City and those who love it. And if you want to stay up to date, be sure to follow at Gossip Nista Podcast on Instagram. Now, back to the show. From knowing your New York story, knowing, you know, where you started here, Vicky, in the city and, you know, where you've come, actually where you've come is where I want to dive into. So let's dive into your background, you know, more about your career in real estate. You told us essentially how you entered the real estate world. So from there, your first year as rookie of the year, tell us how long have you been in the industry in New York City and where where are you today? I, I've been in the industry, I believe it's been 22 years. Mm. And as I mentioned, I, I got started through for sale by owners Mm -hmm. and, oh, when I was getting licensed, Mm -hmm. they said in that class, I'll never forget it. They said, they started to say, you know, the percentages of the people in the class, they're not going to be in the industry in six months, you know, because Mm -hmm. it's a revolving door. Right. And the, the instructor said, those of you that are creative have an edge. And I'll never forget sitting in the class thinking, what does creativity have to do with real estate? And I wish I knew who he was or could find him today because I go up to him and say, that was the most brilliant thing you said in the class because creativity is so valuable in what we do and having a creative mindset to to understand how to position real estate or identify real estate is is key. So I used a lot of creativity and things that other people were not doing. I gravitated towards that and that set me apart. I did staging, my own staging in apartments before staging was really a thing in New York City. Um, I did events and, and partnerships with creative people in spaces that I had. People were not doing that 20 years ago. So those sort of things kind of put me in a different, a, a different lane, if you will, because it was unique and it was authentic to who I was. And I had fun doing it. And I don't like to do anything unless I'm having fun. So it, it worked out really well. And then I... You know, if I had to do something over again, I probably in the beginning, my business ran me instead of me running my business. So I was reactive to a lot of what was happening. And if I, when I sit back now, which I did during the pandemic, you have time to really digest and look at things with a different light and different, different mindset. I would have I would have structured it a little different in the beginning. And I think I would have gotten to where I am now a lot sooner had I, I done things a little differently. Yes. But no regrets, right? No No regrets. You know, you have an abundance mind frame and you're here today. And I, you know, I've done my research on you. You are in publications left and right. You work in luxury real estate, have had so many successes, multi-million dollar, you know, listings and closings and helping celebrities. So let's, let's talk a little about that and how you kind of got into that there, Vicki. I know you're, you're with Compass, but you also are the director of sales with Ralph Walker um, collection of buildings, right? So um, tell us about all this. 
so Ralph Walker, you know, I think it was big developer in New York City. Harry Macklow once said at a cocktail party, he said, oh, Vicky, it's Vicky Walker Barron. And, and we were laughing because any agent in the city that knows um, knows me knows I'm very passionate about certain historical buildings and the pre-war buildings to me just take on a different light. And Ralph Walker built all these New York telephone companies. And these buildings were built after the setback, you know, the the 1916 setback. Mm -hmm. So it allows more light into the living spaces and they almost look like a wedding cake. So when you see these structures, they, they've they got these little turns and, and the envelope of the buildings are just beautiful. But the carcass of these buildings, to me, I always peel back the onion to understand how the building was structured and built. And these buildings, the floor, the weight load for the, I think the average is 40 pounds um, in an average residential building to where the Ralph Walker buildings, I believe it's a hundred pounds. So they're just these 16 inch concrete floors, thicker outer walls. And you feel it when you walk through them, that this is solid and they're beautiful. And um, Walker tower was converted and it's an art deco building that to me is very special to why well, I live there. So full disclosure, I also live there, but I sold, I was on the, the sales team with the developer when we launched and it, it was five, six years of my life that it was exhausting, but it was some of the, the best real estate I've seen to this date. They just don't build them like that. And the developers did a great job with the architect in bringing it to life. And I think it's one of the best buildings today. Okay. So we're talking about the Walker tower, but going back to Ralph Walker. So was he an architect that he was an architect mm -hmm. and Frank Lloyd Wright. I think the quote was he was the best American architect. And we published a book about him mm -hmm. and we actually, what the team did that I give a lot of credit to mm -hmm. is I don't like the typical sales approach when developments are being launched. And we took on this building and, and really the heritage of the building to pay respect to Ralph Walker. Mm -hmm. And we opened it up to the public for three or four months and it was almost a museum where people could come in and really understand the history of what Ralph Walker did with these buildings and wow. the telephone companies. And it was, it was, they're beautiful. The lobbies are beautiful. So imagine people used to come to pay their telephone bill in person in the 1930s in these buildings with this lobby, with this detail and yeah. It was so just, much more glamorous than I, I love the art deco era. I've, I've, very fond of that. And, and so just to, for the listeners that may not 100% be in real estate, know the New York landscape, you know, the setback, Ralph Walker, um, you know, the setback law, law or, you know, that came into place, you said what year? 1916. 1916 was essentially, again, like you noted, to have buildings built in a certain way that was going to let lights 
into the building as well as the streets. So it wasn't like dark New York, right? We still have dark pockets of New York today, but, and then Ralph Walker was a pioneer of building these type of buildings in a sense. Would you consider the um, Empire State building a little bit of that layering of the community? Yes, yes. I mean, you look, when people think of New York City, what do you think of their Chrysler building? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you think of these historic buildings that mm-hmm. are, the jewels of the building Mm -hmm. it's like you put on a a simple black dress and you have a a beautiful necklace and it 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 pops these buildings pop and they're gorgeous and the way they were structured they're going to be as beautiful a hundred years from now and they're not going anywhere and they don't go out of style they're just built to last and there are some developers i give credit to that do a good job at kind of bringing beauty back, if you will. Um, And, you know, they're respectful of the facades of the buildings. I am a big uh, believer in in windows. To me, windows are, I walk through the city and I look up at these buildings and windows are the one thing when people are buying an apartment, you can't change the windows. You're not changing the envelope and the size of the window and the windows. You can go in and put a new kitchen in, a new bathroom, but you're not changing the windows, you're not changing the ceiling heights. So those are the two things that I always say to people, you may come in and make a change, but those two things are probably not changing. So if they're really small, underwhelming windows, you know, some windows that that people put in, they look like, it it looks like a commercial building and, and they're not beautiful windows. They look Yes, I think like we noted, light is everything in New York City, right? And that comes yes. with windows and good architecture and and so forth. So thank you for kind of sharing a little background with regards to Ralph Walker and the history and how you work with him. And but tell us more about you yourself as an as a realtor agent. Like you mm-hmm. are a selling and a listing agent, and you work in the luxury market. Correct? Is that yes. correct? I, to say? Yeah, I, I I specialize in people. To me, it's all about people. We're in the business to serve people. And my joy is identifying someone and and understanding their need. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lid for every pot. And and I already mentioned on this call that, you know, the diversity and all buildings are not equal. And what is a good fit for one is not a good good fit for another. So there are some people that have certain needs and dreams And when I understand and hear what they are, then the joy I have is going through and identifying where, what rock to, to turn over and find what they're looking for. So I don't really specialize in a certain location, even though a good part of what I do is downtown. Mm -hmm. I do a lot of business in Brooklyn and we do you know, business all over the city, but it's really understanding what's important in our role is understanding the buildings. It's we're like building specialists. Like if if you name a building and I tell people on my team, this, you need to know that building. If you're at a cocktail party and someone gives you that address, you should say, Oh, white brick building built in 1962, two elevator banks, you know, 112 apartments, you know, mostly, or they're, you know, mainly two bedrooms, you should know what these buildings are. And when you know what they are and understand them, and pricing is a a big deal to me, because if I had one dream come true, it'd be to get rid of price per square foot. Because 
think about it. It's not about the size. And I compare this to an automobile or a woman's handbag. You can have a handbag. It can be the same size, two handbags. One of them will be in the garbage in two years. And the other one can be on eBay selling for thousands of dollars because it's not constructed the same. The stitching, the leather, the lining, everything is is very different. An automobile is the same, two same, same square footage and size, and the price tag on them can vary. So in New York City, you know, if you really understand the buildings and mechanicals to the way it was constructed, to ceiling height, to window composition, you have to understand what you're selling and understand what the real value is. Does that make sense? That was perfect because on on top of like, you know, getting to know you and your background, you giving your tips and insight to anyone who's looking to come into the real estate market or know more about how to navigate the landscape of New York real estate and architecture. This is great advice and tips. So when I'm with a buyer, I ask, what excites you? Like, do you, what is important to you? Do you want the, and like people from Europe that come to the city, they always tend to go towards the pre-war, right? They want the the old they architecture. Want, the, the they feel. want that um, charm and character. Mm-hmm. But then there's some other people that want new. Mm-hmm. They want everything new. They want their minimalist and they want clean lines and they don't want beams in the ceiling and they want sleek and modern and amenities. So there are, there's something for everyone in the city. But what's important to me is to understand I just had a buyer say to me this week, look, I don't need new and I don't need the refined old elegant buildings like we have on Park Avenue and, you know, the Walker Tower kind of special historic building. He said, I don't want to pay for it. What I want is two bedrooms, three bedrooms, and I'm fine with the co-op and it can be a white brick building built in the 1960s, which you know, architecturally is not stealing my heart, but that's what he wanted. He said, I don't want to pay for all the amenities of the new construction. And I don't need the fancy historical gem. I just need a place to live. And this is what I want. So our role is to really listen and really listen and understand what the needs are of someone else so we can best serve them. And then you've got the celebrities, right? The celebrities come and they have their whole other list of needs and wishes. And, you know, there are buildings that are really positioned for them where there's privacy, where they can pull in without people following them in, taking a million pictures. And they've got parking and they've got security and they've got you know, our role is really to know the difference. You can't take that person that just said they don't need the fancy elements to that fancy building because it's a mismatch. And you can't take the celebrity to a building that doesn't have security or even a doorman because it's, they may love the apartment, but the other needs are not met. Okay. That makes sense. And I noted some of the things that celebrities look for is there any other standout things that you can note that celebrities are looking for in the new york landscape of real estate like i think that what i find first of all you all it has to be so discreet you know when we're when you're working with celebrities the the utmost important fact to them is 
privacy. And many of them want privacy. It depends what level of a celebrity they are, Mm -hmm. but obviously they can't have other windows staring directly in or their, their terrace sharing a terrace with someone else. So privacy is probably privacy and security. Mm -hmm. Now there are some celebrities, there are, there are buildings that are known and celebrities will just flock to them. Then there are other celebrities that want to be be off the beaten path and they want to be in the unexpected buildings. They don't, they want the quality of the, the, the fabric without the brand, the label. Does that make sense? And there are a few buildings, even actually truthfully Walker tower attracted several celebrities and it's not positioned. It was a no name label at the time when we launched Mm -hmm. and the people that came to that building and the celebrities that came liked it because it, it wasn't that labeled building, but they understood the quality. 220 is a building that really was kind of not marketing. It was just attracting the celebrities and the buyers of a certain caliber and level because they had what I call the secret sauce where they had something that people were drawn to and they didn't need to go look for them. People found them instead of them needing to find the buyers and they were a huge success. And when you say 220, is this a Walker building? No, no. 220 Central Park South. Okay. Okay. It's not a Ralph Walker building. It's, it's, 15 Central Park West is kind of known around the world. And many people that lived in 15 Central Park West moved to 220. Amazing. I'm going to have to look into this building. Now, I, um, I'm going to ask this question just because I'm a huge fan of this show. I don't know if you've watched it. I don't know if my listeners have, but I'm going to throw it out there. It's, it's the Gilded Age. Have you, have you delved into the Gilded Age? It's a new New York show that is centered around old world New York and the old money and new world New York and the new money that's coming in. And just in the sense of like building and architectures, like we just talked, like, would you say more people are gravitating towards the penthouses or, you know, more like that art deco and townhomes, traditional New York real estate? Both are both are success stories and still popular. And the person that wants the one does not want the other. Two different worlds. Yeah. That's Two different worlds. Exactly what the show is and what you're kind of almost saying in the sense of real estate. And, and I, and I know this because like, you know, we're talking celebrities, we're talking celebrity buildings and where celebrities live in a sense of where they gravitate towards the city. But, you know, we also have the Sarah Jessica Parkers of the world that buy the townhomes and put it together. And that's not discreet. That, that's very known. And that's more like a, a home home. You know, you walk out your door and, and, and there you are. And then there's Matt Damon who bought in Brooklyn, the highest expense townhome out there. And then Cynthia Nixon's moving into Kipps Bay into a townhome as well. Yeah. So like, it's just, depends on and I'm about to to launch Neil Patrick Harris's house I can say this only because he he already came public Um, we were launching his house it's in Harlem and it's extraordinary home I mean extraordinary and talk about telling stories there's no one that tells the story better than Neil Patrick Harris and you know, but there is an example. There is a celebrity that chose a townhouse 
And he chose a townhouse, not in the West Village, but in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so you, you really, you really have to listen to the person that you're servicing to really understand what their agenda is, what their dreams are, and what their needs are. And, and that's our job. That's our role. And if we can do that and listen to them, then you end up with a relationship and that's how you grow your business. I love that. I love that we've just opened up and you by sharing the Neil Patrick in Harlem and just other locations, you know, how open of a landscape and accepting and just, you know, the possibilities there is in real estate and just neighborhoods. So thank you for kind of sharing that. I'm going to start wrapping up this segment, asking you another question in that aspect. Like, so I know 2020 was hard for New York, for the world, but particularly in real estate, you know, second quarter of, of 2020, there, there was like a 50% drop in the real estate market. 2021, about that second quarter, really started to pick up, right? Now we're Correct. in 2022. Can you give me um, a little bit of where we are landscape-wise and then where you see the future of real estate in, in New York City? or just In so New well? York, I actually think we lagged a little bit because some of the other markets, because Compass, we're, we're everywhere. So I get fed and, and I'm a junkie with real estate. I sit and look at these listings every morning from Hawaii to Texas to Aspen. And those markets, it's been multiple bids and people can't seem to buy a home fast enough. And there are many people in line. That's now happening in New York. Like this week, we had two buyers out in townhouses in and we were bidding seven, 800,000 over the asking, and we were not winning. We were not wow. getting it. Wow. So um, there's little inventory. Mm -hmm. The buyer, there are more cash buyers, I think, in New York than many other locations. So the interest rates have not impacted us as much as maybe some other regions. Where do I think it's going? I think, I think we'll still have a strong 2022. 2023 may start slowing down. I don't think a lot's going to happen with prices. I don't think we're going to see what happened in 2008. I, I don't see that coming. And I've lived through, you know, 9-11 and 2008. And I've, yeah. I've lived through a lot of these yeah. markets. Mm -hmm. But I, I think this one feels very different. And I think people, there's a lot of money out there right now. And people are still believing in New York. And they're buying. I can tell you for a fact that New York is not rolling up and going away. Never, never does. And if it does for a second, it always comes back, right? So Correct. you've been here, you know that. And I've truly appreciated knowing your insight on, on the real estate market, sharing your story, Vicki. I want to, before we like wrap up, is there anything I may have missed that you'd like to note with regards to real estate, your story, you know, um, anything, and then also where someone can connect with you? I have a lot of passion for, for the people in the industry. I really think real estate agents work extremely hard and I don't care what firm you're with. I need you to transact and the relationships among the agents at the various firms are very important and the respect and the dignity and the 
energy that we give one another is very, very important to me. So I'd like to thank every single agent that are out there working hard because I, I don't think they get enough credit for what they do. It's, it's not an easy business and it's a lot of hard work. Mm-hmm. And, and I just feel that you have to be polite and nice, nice and kind never goes out of style. Mm-mm, never. And you said it perfectly there with your abundance of, you know, gratitude for the real estate market, realtors, you know, the hard work that you guys are putting out there. I, I know it's a grind. It's definitely a grind. And, you know, I, I mean, just for context, the real estate market and apartments shopping is a grind. I cannot imagine the real estate buying and listing and selling market. So thank you for all you do, Vicki, to, to you and, and for your time today. Where can people connect with you if they're, you know, looking to potentially talk real estate with you or, or just, you know, connect on social? Sure. They can. Um, it's vbaron at compass.com is my email. And anyone can email me. And I'm always happy to help agents. Look, I remember what it was like getting started, not knowing a thing. When I look back and I think what I didn't know, I still don't know a lot. I wake up every day saying I have no idea. And, you know, I like that. To me, the ego is the biggest enemy. So once your ego gets to a a level and you, you think you're, you're too important or too good, or you know it all, you might as well lie down and go to sleep. Yep. The ego is a killer for sure. And nobody needs that. Yeah. In this uh, city. So I really thank you for taking the time. And I, I hope that there was some value and something I shared. And if there's anyone on the call that wishes to email me or, or reach out, I have worked and volunteered at the real estate board of New York for 21 years. I teach a lot of classes there because I think it's important, the knowledge and the sharing Again, for every agent at any firm coming together, if we can all raise our level of serving other people, then we'll all be looked at in a, a, a better light. Beautifully ended there, but I'm actually not ending it, Vicki. I want to play this little round and segment with you where I'm going to ask a speed round of questions about New York City, and you can just say the first thing that comes to mind. It's going to Uh-oh, be like, okay. like rapid fire. So are you okay to play that? Sure, I'll play it. First question, uptown or downtown? Downtown. West side or east side? West side. Favorite New York neighborhood? West Village. Favorite New York borough? Brooklyn. A driver, subway, bus, city bike, what's your transportation mode? Walking. That's a good one. Favorite season in New York? Spring. Favorite New York food and restaurant? Sushi Agari. Love it. Okay. So sushi. That's uh, It's always hard for me to find sushi in New York. So I'm glad you gave sushi us that Sushi Agari in Tribeca is amazing. Beautiful. Favorite tourist destination in New York City? I would say the MoMA. Okay. Favorite non-tourist destination? Maybe a little hidden gem you have or know oh, of? Oh, um, would be um, Murray's Cheese. Mm, a, a food place. <laughs> Another food. You know, people, when they come to town, they say, instead of taking them to museums, I take them to all the little food places, like where you get all the great olives and the the cheeses and the markets and the farmer's markets. And I love it. I love cheese and it's not good for me, but I love it. So that's a good one. Um, Favorite holiday in New York City? Christmas, because it's so beautiful. You know, everything gets decorated. Favorite New York park? Oh, well, Central Park. 
Lovely. And then favorite uh, weekend getaway from New York City? I go to Cape May. It's a small little beach town. No one knows. Everyone goes to the Hamptons, I know. And I go to the Hamptons, but I bought a bed and breakfast in Cape May. And um, I don't run it as a bed and breakfast, but it was a bed and breakfast. It was built in 1905, of course, a historical building. And it's close to the beach, but it's got a farm and it's, it's, it's beautiful. You have your own little oasis. Who needs the Hamptons? Yeah. Love it's, it. Okay. It's very Victorian and historical. Mm, beautiful. Uh, one word to describe New York City? Creative. One tip on how to live your best life in New York City? Be kind. Lovely. Vicki, you have been amazing. Everything you've said has been so insightful and great. I do want to ask this last question. Did you think of that quote of, you know, what your New York quote would be or? I think the quote I would probably give is, um, and energy is the the driving force in New York City. Thanks for tuning in to Gossipista. Your support means the world. If you've enjoyed what you've heard, please be sure to hit the subscribe button and share this podcast with your friends. Can't wait till next week's episode. Follow along on Instagram at Gossipista to get my latest New York happenings. But if you live and breathe New York City like I do and want even more, go to our website at gossipmista.com, explore, and subscribe to our newsletter to get insider tips first. Lastly, if you have any questions and or scoop on the city, you can email me at gossipnista at gmail.com. Until next time, you know you love me. XOXO, Gossipnista.